questions for God. Did you guys actually do that? Yeah. Talk to each other about the questions for God. I think we've all, we've all got them. I mean, if you've read the Bible at all, I mean, where did Cain get his wife, right? What about dinosaurs? Where are the dinosaurs, right? Why did, why did God let cockroaches on the ark? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what happens to our socks in the laundry? These are questions that plague us, man. How can the Astros blow a five-run lead with Verlander pitching? Come on, that's not even, how, how, why? What are the Powerball numbers? I mean, it's, it's like $700 million right now. Don't build us a church like that. Uh, so yeah, we got questions, right? we've all got them. Um, I think though there are times in our lives that are hard and there are times in our lives that are scary and there are times in our lives that are dark. And sometimes in those times our questions change, don't they? And we don't care about the socks and the laundry all of a sudden. When our lives are really hard, sometimes our questions get a little heavier. And we say, God, If you're so good, and you love us so much, and you're so powerful, why don't you fix everything? Why don't you fix cancer? Why don't you fix war? Why don't you take away racism and hate and child abuse? And God, if you're so good, and free will is clearly screwing everything up, right? Why did you do that? I mean, that's a, that's a real question. God, why is my life so hard? God, when will I be happy? You know, God, why is this happening to me? God, why aren't you helping me? Where are you? Can you hear me? Do you care what I'm doing? Do you care what I'm going through? Are you even real? And I'll tell you one of the things that prompted this message was talking to a guy 24 years old a couple of weeks ago and his wife died suddenly. And he's just, man, he says, I just, I guess I just don't have enough faith because I just can't stop asking why. Why would God let this happen? We're just getting started. Why? And then he immediately said, oh, sorry, I shouldn't, I'm sorry. He said, is it, is it like, is it, is it okay that I ask that question? And is God going to be mad at me? Is God going to be disappointed in me because I'm asking this? Does that mean, like, am I not a good Christian because I'm questioning God? And I think we've all been there. We've all had questions for God, hard questions, heavy questions. Bad news, um, we're not going to answer all of them today. In fact, we're not going to answer any of them today. In fact, we're not even going to try but I have some good news for you about your questions, and that is, it's okay to ask. God can handle your questions, and he's not mad at you for asking. He created you, and he knows you, and he, he, he knows your question, whether you answer it, whether you ask it or not. He knows that you have the question. It's always funny to me when people will say, hey, Pastor, I'm gonna ask you, why is God doing this? <laughs> like God's up there and say, what did he say? 
You questioning me? You questioning me? <laughs> he, knows, he, knows, he knows your questions before you ask the questions, before you had the questions, and he's not mad at you, and he doesn't think you're less of a Christian, and you're like Christian stock value doesn't go down because you ask questions. Do you know what I mean by that? Like the other night we had an elders meeting and we're talking about um, one of the accounting processes and like when they're talking about that stuff, I just kind of like nod and act like I know what they're talking about. But like all I'm hearing is like wah, 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 you know? And so anyway, this thing comes up, well, should we start doing it this way? And somebody, one of the elders says, oh, well, um, that's, um, that's Gap, right? And everybody goes, oh yeah, that's Gap. I'm sure that's Gap. Well, do you think it's Gap? Oh, it's Gap. You, you, can we all agree? This is Gap, right? It's clearly, this is Gap, right? And they all look at me and I'm like, what's Gap? <laughs> you know, it's like, I know there's that store in the mall. You know, are we talking about baby gap? You know, what are we talking about here? And they say, well, no, Larry, that's generally accepted accounting procedures. And so I said, oh yeah, that gap. Yeah, sure, of course, I mean, everybody knows. Gap, of course, duh. Uh, and I don't think they bought it. Uh, and I think now, I think they still love me, but I know they think less of me. You know, it's like my, it's like my stock, my stock went down a little because I asked that question. And I just, today, that's what I wanna tell you. Your stock doesn't go down when you ask God a question. Uh, in Matthew 11, John the Baptist asked a question of Jesus. And I wanna tell you, you gotta think about who John the Baptist is, right? John the Baptist knew Jesus before he was born, before either one of them were born, because John was a miracle baby too. And John was in his mother's belly. And when Jesus' mother walked into the room, the Bible tells us that John the Baptist like jumped with excitement that he was in the same room, that he was in the presence of Jesus. Before he was even born, he knew Jesus was. And he was a cousin. So they probably went to bar mitzvahs together. They probably went to weddings together. They probably did family reunions and picnics and stuff together. He knew who Jesus was. When Andrew came up to John the Baptist, John the Baptist saw Jesus walking and he goes, check it out, there he is, that's him. That's the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. And he baptized him. Here's John, he's baptizing Jesus. He comes up out of the water. The sky opens. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. I don't even know what that means. And this giant voice says, this is my son, <laughs> right? I think John knew who Jesus was. You agree with that? And then after that, he's hearing all the miraculous teaching. He's seeing people raised from the dead. He's hearing about all these incredible miracles. John knew who Jesus was. But at a dark time in his life, when John was having like a crisis of faith, this man who had seen miracles, who knew Jesus personally, who knew who Jesus was, sent a message to Jesus with some messengers to ask him a question. And the question was in Matthew eleven three, he said, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking? Is it maybe, are you not him? And that is a surprising question for a man who saw the heavens open up and heard the voice of God. But I love Jesus' response to that. I love Jesus' response to this because he didn't say, what's John's problem, right? Where's, where's his faith, right? What's, what's, that's, he's dead to me now. He's off the team. Forget about John. I love that. That's not at all, even though John really should have known the answer to that question. Right? And he, I think he did know the answer to that question. 
And that question was kind of disrespectful to Jesus. But Jesus told John's messengers, this is Matthew eleven four. 4, you know what, go back to John and just tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And then he added, God blesses those that don't fall away because of me. So Jesus is saying, I'm not mad at John because he's having trouble believing right now. I just, I just want to help him believe. So tell him what I'm doing. Tell him about these miracles. Show him who I am and remind him to just like hang in there and God's going to bless him. And then a couple of verses later, Matthew 11, 11, he calls John the Baptist the greatest man who ever lived. So clearly in Jesus' eyes, John Stock didn't go down because he asked the hard questions. He didn't think less of John because John had some doubts. And there's a super similar story with Thomas. So you guys know Thomas was one of the disciples. He was hanging out with Jesus for three years and he's listening to Jesus teach and he's seeing these miracles and Jesus is walking on water and feeding 5,000 people and healing people and raising the dead and he should have had all the faith in the world. But look what happens. It's, um, this is in John chapter 20 and this is like Easter Sunday night. Right, so Jesus is crucified on Friday, and then now all the disciples are hiding out in the Galilee Motel 6, right? They don't know what's happening, so they're like holed up in this room, and Jesus appears to them, right? He, they, they can't believe it. Jesus appeared, he was just dead three days ago, and he appears to them, and he says, peace be with you, receive the Holy Spirit, now go out and change the world, right? And so Thomas, apparently when that happened, was like making a pizza run or something, because he wasn't in there because they didn't have Grubhub in those days, in case you don't know. So he's out doing something, I don't know what, and he gets like back to the hotel or something, and he tells the guys, oh, hey, pizza's here, and the guys are like, dude, you're gonna believe it. Jesus is alive. He was just here. And John the Baptist says, yeah, you're right. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And not only I don't believe it, I won't believe it. He says, unless I can touch that scar, unless I can stick my hand in there, where they jabbed him with that spear. Unless I can put my fingers in the holes in his hands, I, I won't, I'm not gonna believe it. I refuse to believe in Jesus. And I'm telling you, if I was Jesus, I would be so mad at him. Wouldn't you? Like, what's your problem, Thomas? What do you need? You saw the miracles, right? You heard the teaching. You saw me walking on water. I told you I was coming back and now you don't believe me? Man, your parents really must have done a number on you, right? What do you, what do you expect, though, when you name your kid Doubting Thomas? I don't even know what they're thinking. I would have been bugged, man. I would be so mad if I was Jesus. I'd be so mad at Thomas, but Jesus isn't mad at him. Eight days later, they, Jesus reappears to his disciples, and he seeks Thomas out. He finds Thomas, and he's like, look, right? Check it. Is this what you need? Touch it. Right? He holds out his hands. Is that what you need? Put your fingers in there. And if that is what you need, it's okay. Just touch it. I just, I just want you to believe. Jesus wasn't mad at John when he had this crisis of faith, when he asked this question. He's not mad at Thomas. Thomas was questioning everything about who Jesus was, and so maybe that's where you're at, man. Maybe you're like John. And you got some hard questions 
about who Jesus is and choices he's made and things that he's done and when he's going to do what you think he should do. Maybe you're like John and you've got hard questions and maybe those questions even have you at a crisis in your faith or maybe you're like Thomas and you're having some doubts about the resurrection or maybe you're like David in the Psalms. You know in the Psalms, there's a lot of Psalms, oh God is awesome, he does everything great, oh he made everything and then there are the Psalms of lament. There's a whole bunch of them and that's basically these guys like David saying, come on God, man I'm dying here. Where are you? I'm trying. I I can't see you. I'm praying. I don't feel anything. Are you there? You know, are you real? Do you care? And if you have questions like that, if you, if you feel like that, then I just want to tell you, Jesus isn't mad at you. He just wants you, like John, to see what he's doing. Miracles are happening, man. Healing is happening. The gospel is being preached. He really just wants you to recognize what he's doing. He really just wants you to see who he is. And he wants you, like Thomas, to look around and, and see the results of the resurrection and remember all the stuff that he said before and just believe that he is who he says he is. And if you have questions, even if they're really hard questions, he's not mad at you for asking. He just wants you to come to know him and, and more fully believe in him. And I think that, I've said that a dozen times now, and I just think, like, I'm gonna say it more because I think this is a, a radical idea for some Christians because I think some Christians say, you can't ask that stuff. You don't, you don't how dare you? You know, we should, and you know what I think it is? I think some Christians say, well, you, let's don't ask those questions because they're a little bit scared of the answers. You know, they're a little bit afraid that we're gonna find out the truth. And maybe these religious things and the, all these views and ideas that I've had all these years aren't 100% right. But Jesus isn't afraid you're going to find the truth because he is the truth. And he wants you to find it. If you have questions, it's okay to ask. And, and here's my disclaimer. He may not answer them. I mean, he may not answer all your questions the way that you want to. There's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 25 too, and it's like, It's our privilege as men, as kings, as scientists, it's our privilege to seek out, dig out these answers, and it's God's privilege to conceal them, right? So he may not reveal every truth to us. He may not tell us the answer that we're looking for right now, right now. Um, In fact, you look in the New Testament, um, during all the narrative, all the story of the New Testament, Jesus is asked about 183 questions by his disciples and followers and kings and prostitutes and sinners and fishermen and all these different people asked Jesus 183 questions. Do you know how many of those he answered directly? Eight. Eight. And one of those was about where they were going to eat. So <laughs> kind of seven. But a lot of times he just like asked them a question back. You know, they would ask him. You, you've heard the story of the man that asked the rabbi, Rabbi, why is it? that you Jewish people always answer a question with a question. And the rabbi said, why shouldn't we? (laughs) I don't know if that's true. Uh, But 175 out of 183 times, 77% of the time, Jesus did not give a direct answer when they asked him a question. Why? 
Why? He knew the answers, right? He loved the people that were asking the questions. Why? Why didn't he just answer them? It's almost like he wanted them to have questions. And even when he was teaching, you know, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and he taught all of his followers, and then he sent them out to do their thing. That's up to like chapter 10 of Matthew. Then like chapter 11, Jesus is out, man. He's preaching all over. And like the next page, his teaching changes. And all of a sudden, all he's using are these parables, right? He's using these illustrations, and he's talking about seeds and dirt and fire and fish and birds, and right? Everything's an illustration. Everything's a parable. Oh, the kingdom of God is like wheat. The kingdom of God is like weeds and mustard seeds and yeast and pearls, a lost coin, a lost sheep, a lost son. And there comes a point where the Bible says that after that, Jesus only taught in parables. And I think there's a couple of reasons he did that. And one is, parables are awesome. They make a point, they're easy to remember. Um, I'll tell you, if you really study the parables, they will, they'll change you, but they take some effort to understand, and I think that's the second reason. I think that's why he, he used them, because some people didn't want to know the truth. In a couple of pages back in Matthew 7, Jesus said, don't give holy stuff to the dogs. Right? Don't, don't throw your, your pearls to the pigs. And it's like dogs don't value what is holy. Right? Pigs don't understand the value of pearls, so don't waste it on them. And I think some people don't really value the truth. Some people don't really want to know Jesus, so he tell them a parable. Right? And it's probably a lot of those people would just say, this dude's crazy. I mean, he, they just blew him off. The kingdom of God is like a seed. That doesn't even make sense, so I just forget it. But the disciples, right? No, they were, they were really following him. You know, they really wanted to know the truth. They wanted to know about him, and they wanted to really understand. And so even one day, like the, when Jesus told the one about the dirt and the different kinds of dirt and the farmer's throwing seeds and it lands on different kind of dirt and all that stuff, this is Matthew 13. The disciples come up to him like, everybody's left, Right? Everybody's gone home going, what the heck is he talking about? Right? And the disciples come up to Jesus and they ask him in verse 10, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And you think he's going to say, oh, because it helps them understand better. Right? But look what he says. It's Matthew 13, 11. He says, you guys, like, my real followers, you're, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But others are not. Others are not permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So if I'm them, I'm asking, well then how do we qualify, right? What, what do we have to do? And then he tells them, to those who really listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. To those who listen, really listen, more understanding will be given and they'll have an abundance of knowledge. But those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from him. Verse 13, that's why I use parables. Because people look, but they don't really see. And they hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And he was hyperlinking, actually, re referring them to a passage way back in Isaiah that basically says some people don't ask, they don't look for answers, they don't listen because they don't really want to hear the truth. But look what Jesus says. This is Matthew 13, 16. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Jesus is saying, like, a lot of these people, they're just here to see a miracle, man. They're just here because they heard there was free food. You know, they're just here because it's a social thing to do. They're not, they're not pursuing truth. 
They're not asking questions. They're just going through the motions. And I'm not going to waste these pearls of truth on them. They don't want the truth. But you guys, right, my disciples, my real followers, you're listening and you're learning and you're digging in and you're asking questions and you're pursuing truth, right? You are, you are pursuing me. And I want to reward that. You know, I want to I meet you halfway. The Bible says if we come close to God, he comes close to us. Right? Hebrews 11.6 says he's a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him, who diligently seek him. And so when we dig into scripture and when we ask these questions, even the hard questions, even the hard questions, when we pray for revelation, he's not mad at us. He honors that. Because what is that? That's us pursuing truth. That's us pursuing him. That's us diligently seeking him just like the disciples. And that's why he says, Matthew 7, 7, he says, keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everybody that asks, receives. Everybody who seeks, finds. For everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And that's what the disciples were doing, right? They were digging in, man. They were going deeper. They were seeking and knocking and asking the hard questions. And Jesus says, blessed are your ears. Blessed are your eyes. Right? I'm going to reward you for digging and trying and asking. And the reward is revelation. And the reward is truth. And the reward is Jesus because he is the truth. So if you've got hard questions, even if you're questioning your faith, it's not only okay to ask the questions. He wants you to ask the questions. Jesus is not afraid that you'll find the truth. He is the truth. And he wants you to find him. Just like John, just like Thomas, he wants to help you believe by showing you who he is. So, like, how do we do that, right? How do we pursue? How do we dig? How do we, how do we ask? Most of us can't go to seminary. Most of us can't sit around listening to great Bible teachers 12 hours a day like the disciples did. That would, that'd be cool, right? How cool would it be for Jesus to come to your job and say, follow me. Here's where we're going on the road, right? Three years. We're going to camp out, we're going to eat together, we're going to go to parties, and we're going to have all this amazing time, and we're going to do like these big events, and you're going to be like on the committee, right, and we're going to set up these big speaking engagements, and then you're going to have like a backstage pass, baby. You're going to be with me all the time, and I'm going to be teaching you 24-7. I mean, that, who wouldn't take that deal? You know, that sounds great now, but that's... That's like not an option for us, right? We don't have the living word right here camping with us and, and teaching us all the time, but we do have the written word. And so I've got a couple of like practical suggestions for you on how to dig into the Bible. A lot of people tell me I can't read this thing. I tried 20 years ago. I don't understand it. You know, what, what, what do I do? So I got, I got some suggestions for you. Here's number one. Go to a church that teaches the Bible. I have a good one to refer you to if you don't know one. Uh, <laughs> Here's the surprising, you might want to write this down, it's okay for you to study the Bible on your own outside the church. Like I've had people tell me that the only scripture they ever see is on that screen, right? Let me ask you a question. Are they diligently seeking? If that's it, are you diligently seeking Jesus? If the only Jesus you read is right there, I mean, I, read the Bible. Get one you can understand. 
right? A famous expression. People say, what version is the best? The best version is the one you will read, right? Get a Bible you can understand. And if you've got a Bible and you're reading thee and thou and verily, and you're thinking, what in the heck did I just read? You need to get a different Bible, okay? If you don't have one, I have them in the Connection Center. Go back there today. I've got them in English or Spanish. If you, have a, if you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand, go back there and tell them, will you give me one of those Bibles? And they'll give you a Bible today. Read the Bible. And Get some help, right? There's a lot of resources out there. I'm gonna tell you a couple. Um, Matt, can you put that slide up? Um, Biblehub.com is awesome. It's got parallel versions. When you read the Bible in different versions, it really illuminates things for you. It's got commentaries and concordances and interlinears and all kinds of stuff to help you understand the Bible better. It's free. You just go in and punch in the scripture and all of this stuff populates and all you do is choose what you want. It'll, it'll really help you understand the Bible. Um, Thebibleproject.com, I talk about that all the time. It's just these five-minute videos about the books of the Bible and all these themes of the Bible. They even have like seminary classes on that website. It's awesome. Bible Project is awesome. That's another ministry that we support. Uh, right Now Media. Right Now Media is amazing. It's Netflix of Christian teaching. Right? If you've got Netflix at your house and you turn it on, it's like there's a million movies to choose from, that's what Right Now Media is, except for if you've ever want, if you're tired of my preaching and you want to hear from Francis Chan, or Tim Keller, or Craig Rochelle, or anybody you've ever heard of, they're probably on Right Now Media, and we already paid for it. The church already paid for you to have access and membership with Right Now Media, so Right Now Media is awesome. Here's another great website, gotquestions.org. You can go to gotquestions.org and you can literally type in your question. What is the Passover, right? Who is the devil? What is sin? What's up with the Astros? It'll look them up, it'll pull up whatever you need to know. Gotquestions.org is awesome for biblical questions. So there's lots, of, there's lots of tools out there, man. There's lots of tools out there. Read the Bible. Another great way to study the Bible is in a life group. You know, the, the, the beauty of a life group is you dig together. If you're digging a hole, do you want to do it by yourself or do you want to do it with somebody else, right? If we're going to dig out the truth of the Bible, get some help, man. Get in a life group and, and, and you can encourage each other and help each other and learn from each other and also make some friends. There's, study the Bible. There's lots of ways to do it. Here's a good one. Ask Jesus to show you some truth. How about that, right? You got the living word here. You got the written word there. Syncing them up, right? Just ask Jesus to show you the truth in his word. Um, I'll tell you how you do that. It's a little thing we call the Discovery Bible Study. How many of you know what, that, what those words mean? Okay, we're getting there. Someday, everyone will raise their hand when I say that. So the Discovery Bible Study is awesome. Here's what you do. You read a passage of scripture. You ask God to reveal four answers to you. Doesn't matter what the passage is. The questions are always the same. The first question is, what does this passage tell me is true about God? Second question, what does this passage tell me is true about people? Third question, Jesus, what are you trying to say to me in this passage? Fourth question, Jesus, what do you want me to do about it? You ask those four questions. You do the same thing. Every, every, just any chunk of scripture you can find. Ask those questions. Not, I'm not trying to know it. I'm listening for him to tell me who he is, what people are like, what he wants me to know, what I should do. Discovery Bible study. If you're a man and you want to see it in action, come on Wednesday night. That's what we do. 6.30 Wednesday night, we eat pizza, we do a Discovery Bible study. We're starting the book of Philippians this week. So if you wanna see what it looks like, then come on out. You can study the Bible with us. If you're not a man, or you're weird and don't want pizza, 
or whatever, you can't come on Wednesday nights, you contact me and I'll send you a five minute video about how to do a Discovery Bible study. Discovery Bible study is awesome. But these are all just resources, right? It starts with us saying, I wanna know what the word says. So asking these questions and digging in and trying to understand, these are good things. Jesus isn't mad about those things. He, he rewards those things by revealing truth, by revealing himself. And so I'll just quick warning, like reality, you might dig in on a question and he might show you a completely different answer than you expected and you may never get the final answer on the exact question you were asking that's been making you crazy until you get to heaven and ask him in person someday. And then you probably won't care anymore, you know, because then once, you, once you've seen Jesus, right, once you're really with him for real, in person, these questions are gonna seem a lot less important than just being with him. And I think that's like the beauty of the dig, right? That is the wonder of the pursuit. That is the miracle of the questions. And I think maybe that's why Jesus likes the questions. And I think maybe that's even why he put those questions in your mind, is to kind of tide us over until we can be with him in person. Because while we're digging, and knocking and asking and seeking. We're spending time with him and we're asking him those questions and we're listening to his voice and we're hearing his word and we're talking to his people and we are experiencing Jesus. And that's, that's what he really wants. And you may think that your questions are just your own like curiosity or they're coming out of your own frustration or your own anger or fear. And those may be your reasons for asking the questions, but I think Jesus has a higher purpose for those questions. And his purpose is a lot less about information and a lot more about transformation. And Jesus said in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. He wants you to experience freedom. Not just freedom from sin, he wants you to be free from doubt and fear and frustration. And that freedom comes from knowing the truth. That freedom comes from knowing Jesus because he is the truth. So it's, it's not only okay to ask questions, he wants you to ask questions because he loves you and he wants to be with you and he wants to show you the truth of who he is. He wants to show you the results of the resurrection. And that's why he wasn't mad at John. And that's why he wasn't mad at Thomas. That's why he wasn't mad at David. And when you have questions, that's why he's not mad at you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us the dignity of a mind, right? You've given us the ability to really ask hard questions and to really see the world and, and really question, even to question you. And I just thank you. To, you may not give us all the answers, but I just thank you today because you love us enough to let us ask the questions and, and you're not mad at us when we ask these questions and you're not pushing us away when we ask these questions. In fact, you want us to ask the questions. You're embracing us when we pursue you. And God, I thank you because someday we'll be with you. And Jesus, when we're in your presence, I know we won't care about these questions. But between now and then, these questions kind of keep us connected to you.
And so I just pray, Lord, that you'll give us more questions and that when we have these questions, we will boldly come to you and ask for answers, that we will dig into your word, that we will ask in our spirit, that we'll talk with our friends, and that we will pursue you and that you will do what you always do. You will reward us as we diligently seek you with, with revelation of who you are and with your presence. So God, may your presence with us now in our questions hold us over till we can be with you permanently in person for real all the time. And we look forward to that day and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.